Hey, what's up, guys? This is Travis Chappell from the Build Your Network podcast. And if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, then you got to be listening to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. How's it going, everybody? We are back on another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College, and today we've got my good friend, Travis Chappell. He is one of the top podcasters in the world. Forbes ranked him in the top 10 podcasts to listen to right next to Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, and Gary Vee. He's a master networker and master salesperson, and in this episode, we dig into how not to be a networking Ned and how to build stronger relationships, how to get free mentorship from the best experts in the world, and why to give more and how that's going to bring more value to both you and your relationships, and how to do it without getting stepped on and manipulated by others. We're also going to dig into the two tips to become a master salesman without ever feeling salesy. You're not going to want to miss this episode. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you find this episode enjoyable, please share it on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss another great episode. I'll see you in there. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, my guest is Travis Chapel. Travis is the founder and CEO of Guestio, a new software that connects high-level guests with high-level content creators, and he is the host of the top-rated show, Build Your Network. In addition to being featured in Entrepreneur, NASDAQ, Yahoo Finance, and ReadWrite, Travis has also been featured in Forbes as a top 10 podcaster that will change your life alongside Joe Rogan, Gary Vee, and Tim Ferriss. His gift of relationships and building that has allowed Travis to interview and become close friends with many of the top influencers in the world, including people like John Maxwell, Amy Porterfield, Dean Graziosi, Grant Cardone, Jack Canfield, Lori Harder, J.P. Sears, Tom Bilyeu, and many more. On top of all of that, he's just a good, amazing family man, a father of two, married to the amazing Jackie, who I've got a a chance to meet his wife, uh, and a good friend. So he does it all and some uh, welcome to the show, Travis. Xander, what's up, bro? Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for joining. Um, so, you know, I'm going to dig right into podcasting first because, you know, actually a lot of people don't know this, but you're the reason that I actually have a successful podcast. You're the reason that, uh, I've got a top, uh, a top ranked podcast. I've got people listening to it and I'm not just a nobody talking to nothing. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just want to start off digging into podcasts Um, and specifically, you know, 
you help people grow podcasts. Why are you, why are you so fascinated with podcasts? Uh, to be honest, man, I was just a fan. I was a listener. I, I just yeah. really, I subscribed to a ton of podcasts back in the day. So I, after a while, just got to the point where I was like, you know what, this seems like a pretty cool way to make money. Cause at the time I was kind of searching for what the next thing was going to be for me. I didn't really know what was going to yeah. happen at the time. Uh, so I, I knew that I needed to do something online. I knew that much. I was like, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a millennial. So like, yeah, I got to figure this online thing out or probably I'm not going to, everybody's be doing it. Why not me? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, you know, I could look into the future and be like, you know what, if, if I'm going to be valuable for, you know, getting hired or, or, or starting businesses or whatever, then I should probably figure out the way that my generation is going to be doing business, which is largely going to be online. You know what I mean? So podcasting was kind of my, my vehicle into that space. Yeah. And, and you did it right. Obviously you built a, you know, a top ranked podcast. Um, you've been able to network with a lot of amazing people because of it. Um, so you just, you just mentioned kind of the millennial, mindset and doing business moving forward. Do you think podcasting is important just for entrepreneurs or do you think it's important, you know, for, for anybody in a nine to five job or, you know, talk to me about that. Yeah, that's, that's a interesting question. I, I do think that it's super valuable for entrepreneurs because it brings more credibility, authority, and trust into your brand. Um, yeah. Regardless of how many downloads you get, it's not really about the downloads, just about everything else that comes along with it. And uh, so for, for people who are not an entrepreneur, people who are in nine to five, um, I still view it as being something that is a really valuable asset in your life yeah. uh, because everybody, no matter who you are, should always be trying to improve or learn or grow or become a better version of themselves, especially if you have you know big goals or aspirations in life, which if you're listening to a podcast like this, I'm sure that you do. You most likely are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if, if that's, if that's you, then you got to think about, you got to think about, you know, if you're at a organization and you want to get a promotion or you want to get that corner office, or you want to get something uh, that a lot of other people in your company are also aiming for or shooting for, then you have to think about what's going to be the thing that differentiates me. Why would they give me the opportunity over everybody else? Especially if you're in a high performance type of an environment where the competition's stiff and, and, and maybe you're used to just being on top, you know, throughout your life, but now, now you're in this fast paced, you know, efficient organization and there's, there's 12 of you that are there. Yeah. And this is the first time you've had to compete like that. You know what I mean? St- something like a podcast that, that is your best learning accountability partner because you're yeah. learning constantly. When you have to create content, you have to fill it with something. So one of two things is going to happen. It's either going to be crappy content or you're going to be somebody like me who's like, I don't want to put out crappy content. So I have to learn at an exponential rate Right. Uh, then, then, you know, comparatively to even my own, my own listeners, because I want to make sure that the content I'm providing is actually really good quality content. If I don't, so, if I don't keep up, they're not going to stick around. Yeah, exactly. And it became like a big accountability partner for me to continue to learn and grow and improve myself. So I, I, I feel like a podcast is a really great tool for that. I think it's a great tool for discovery if you're, you know, in a nine to five and maybe you're, maybe you're, maybe you're not sure what the next 10 years of your future really holds. You're not sure what it looks like. You, you, you are cool with, you know, staying at your job because it's a cool place to work, but you would also be cool with being an entrepreneur because maybe that 
that, that lifestyle of having freedom to choose when you work is appealing to you. Like, but you're just not exactly sure which path you should go down. We'll start a podcast and use it as a way to discover what path you should go down because yeah. it's the best way to have conversations with people that are just a variety of different backgrounds, a variety of different careers, business models, different things that you can be doing with your life. And you get little, you get little glimpses into their world when you sit on, sit down and interview them for 30, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and, uh, it allows you to be able to cultivate those connections, build that network, create more opportunity, learn more, um, just so many benefits that come from, from having a podcast that are, have nothing to do with your download numbers, your sponsors. Yeah. I was just going to say ratings. like everything that you just talked about has a lot less to do with your listenership and a lot more to do with like just the act of doing it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's, that's the reason, in my opinion, why most people don't have a show, uh, is that they think it only has to do with downloads and listenership. And so if that's not a desire, the beginning, you're not going to have a lot of downloads and listenership, probably (laughs) almost none, you know, especially if you're starting from scratch, you know, like I was, if you're, if you're just jumping into the space and being like, I want to start a podcast, like, yeah, probably not going to just take off on the top charts tomorrow. You know what I mean? So, uh, it's definitely, I, I tell people there's so many other reasons to jump into podcasting, the listeners and the downloads, that's like the cherry on top. That's like the, you know, the whipped cream, the cherry on the Sunday. That's what comes in four, five, six, seven, eight years from now after creating consistent quality content for a long period of time, cultivating an audience and community and growing it and growing it and growing it and investing time, energy, and money into it. Like that's what it turns into. Uh, but yeah. at first there's so many other reasons to jump on and, and, and start your first podcast. So you just, you just kind of hit on something the, the importance of podcasting as like a long-term investment three, four, five, eight years down the line. Um, do you, do you think the podcasting industry is, is continuing to grow? You know, I had a, I had a mentor, I had a mentor tell me like three years ago, he's like, Xander, you should start a podcast. The only problem is I think you missed the boat, right? Like podcasting was, was super big. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. So podcast, he goes, podcasting was super big, like, you know, two, 2014, 2015. And now you've kind of missed the, the boat on it. Like talk, talk to me about that. Cause I know you have a different opinion. There are almost 40 million YouTube channels that exist, yet people are starting YouTube channels left and right and starting successful YouTube channels Yeah, because the market is continuing to expand. The the market, the, in terms of viewers hasn't gone down at all. You know, they're two, two billion monthly active users plus on YouTube now. Uh, so, you know, with, with that, uh, audience growth, you know, there is more room for creators to jump in and, and be able to, to make money. Yeah. Imagine if you could go back in time and start a YouTube channel when there was only a million of them. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> a 40 X there's a 40 X on 1 million YouTube channels. You know what I wow. mean? Like how much easier would it have been to solidify yourself as an authority in your space? If you would have started a YouTube channel back when there was 1 million instead of 40 million. Yeah. Well, that's where we are right now with podcasts. Podcasts just crossed the million mark in 2020. Really? So we're only at a million podcasts. Yeah, maybe now there's there might be close to a million and a half or something like that. But we're talking yeah. like total podcasts, bro. Not yep. it, not active podcasts because right. there's a lot fewer active podcasts than there are total podcasts. There's a big podcast hey, that's a, graveyard that's a good out point. there. Yeah. So podcasting is in its infancy still, man. Like it, it's it's such a you know, whenever I hear people say that, it's like, well, you may as well not do anything because everything's saturated. You know, there, there's what was <laughs> yeah. there 700 million blogs. There's literally almost 800 million blogs the last time I checked. You yeah. know what I mean? But people still start blogs and they still start successful blogs that do really well, that make a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like uh, there's there's a half a million. There's a half a 
million books that come out every single year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know there's, you know, I don't even know how many millions and millions of books there are in the world, but that doesn't prevent people from writing books. And it doesn't, it doesn't slow down the effectiveness of, of a book, of a good book. I don't know, man. I was, you know? when I was getting ready to write shit, you don't learn in college. I was really thinking about how saturated the book market is. And I just, <laughs> so you know, you almost, just didn't almost, do it. almost yeah. turned it in, man. Almost turned it in. <laughs> that's, um, that's my point is like, you know, like we're still so in the infancy. It's, I mean, three years ago it was even, it was even, like, that's when I started it was uh, 2017, yeah. uh, like end of 2017. And there was like, there was like 450 or 500,000 podcasts at the time. Yeah. You know, so, so you're like, saying if I had actually listened to to that initial advice and started my podcast, I could have been someone by now. It, <laughs> I mean, and, you definitely and, would have a you you already have a <laughs> successful show, that's for sure. And instead, yeah. I just have to settle for 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 what I am. It's um, like it's like planting a tree. It's like yeah. I tell podcasts is like planting a tree. The best time to start a podcast was 10 years ago. 10 years, yeah. But the second best time is immediately because it's only going to continue to get more saturated and more difficult as the years go by. But it's always, it's going to be around, man. Like, look how, look how long radio has been around. Yeah. Radio has been around since what? The thirties, forties, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and people still listen to the radio. It's changed yep. a little bit. You know, it's mostly like a Sirius XM kind of took over and satellite radio is probably a little bit more popular than AM or FM. And it's probably more popular to a certain, you know, generation or demographic, but it still exists and it's still kicking and it's still a way that a lot of people choose to consume content. Yep. Podcasting is just a better form of radio. That's literally yeah. all podcast is. It's just it's the, online it's on demand radio. radio. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So like it, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to go anywhere. Like we still want to consume that type of content. It's easier to consume than any other type of content that's out there. That's why yeah. the, the, the podcast listenership is only going to continue to increase. You know what I mean? Like there's like 300, 350 million podcast listeners in the entire world right now. You know what I mean? Like again, compare that to YouTube, 2 billion plus monthly active users on, on YouTube. Yeah. You know, if, if that audience 10 X is like that and gets to th there's 3 billion podcast listeners and you don't have a podcast, they're not going to listen to your non-existent podcast. Non-existent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Dude, so I, all right. All right, Travis, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going to start a podcast. <laughs> I, I think, I think I'm going to do it. Um, but so, so I think, um, I want to go back to like some of, some of the benefits that you kind of talked about, like the networking and the growth and everything like that. You've, you've been able to connect with, a large amount of some of the biggest influencers in the world because of your podcast. Can you, can you talk me through how you do that? Is it just, I mean, the beautiful hair, is it just the smile? What, what is it? Yes. It's the beautiful <laughs> hair and the smile. Good, good answer. Next question. <laughs> um, no, bro. It's, it's, it, there's something magical about having a content platform. Yeah whatever the content platform is. I, I like podcasting the best for several reasons that we've kind of already talked about. Uh, but another one to throw into that mix is that it's kind of easier to get started with podcasting than it is for other different content platforms. Like you don't need a ton of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm talking into a really expensive mic right now, yeah, quote unquote expensive, you know, it's 400 bucks. But I, the first three years of my show was done on a $50 USB mic. So I didn't yeah. have a mixer. I didn't have a any audio equipment. It was literally just a USB microphone plugged directly into my laptop. It cost me 50 bucks. And then my boom arm was like 12 bucks. You know yep. what I mean? So it was super easy to get started. I didn't have to invest in a bunch of video equipment. I didn't have to have a video editor. You know, I didn't have to have any of that other stuff. It just was really seamless, easy to get started. 
And you were able to do interviews with, you know, people like Dean Graziosi, Grant Cardone, like big names like that, too. Right. And, and, and those ones were all done in person, uh, you know, at their places, because a lot of these people that you want to interview, they already have their own studio setups. Yeah. So I would just say like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like with Grant, I told him I was, oh, yeah, I'm going to be in Miami next week. You know, maybe uh, maybe I can just come by the office. And he was like, yeah, come through, see us. So. Then nice. I booked my flight to Miami after that. So tell me a little bit about that. Cause I think that's something, that's something that you do very well. Like obviously your, your podcast is build your network. Yeah. Right. And, and I think you are, you are an incredibly well networked person and I don't, and I think you mentioned this on your podcast all the time. Networking can get a bad name. I'd yeah. rather say like, I'd rather say like, you're not just a well networked person. You're a great relationship person. You build really strong and healthy relationships with people. Like how, how do you do that? Um, yeah, man, I, I, I try to make that distinction myself a lot because networking is kind of one of those buzzwords that either fires you up. If networking is a word that like fires you up, usually you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like the person that's like, yeah, I love to network. That's the networking. I call them networking Ned. Uh, because yeah. like, they're just the, they're the person at the cocktail party that everybody's trying to avoid because all they're going to do is like run up over to you with some, they're just, they're just second. running, running through the lines. Yeah. 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 They're, they're there for in-person cold calling. They're there to like shake <laughs> as many hands as they possibly can throw a business card at your face and then run to the next person and see how many people they can talk to in an hour, you know, without drinking too many cocktails. So <clears throat> There's the networking Ned, but then there's the other side of the, of the, of the table, which is all the people that are so afraid of becoming networking Ned because of their bad experiences with them that they just neglect networking altogether. And, yeah. uh, there's, there's a happy, there's a happy medium. There's a happy balance between, between those two people. And that's why I mainly refer to it as relationship building and not really networking because it, it just kind of comes with this stigma that feels really slimy. And yeah. Like smarmy. you're, you're almost trying to build a relationship to get something out of it. Which is right. the literal opposite of how to build good relationships. Yeah. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Like that, that's the problem with it is that when you, when you go to one of those, you know, cocktail mixers, you're just putting a bunch of takers in a room together. Right. And if you fill your network full of takers, then, you know, like if you fast forward in five years from now, nothing like you have to keep doing it is, is my point. You know, yeah. like if you, if you, if you fill your network full of givers, then at some point you can stop you know, having to be the person that's always going out to the next thing and going to the new place because you have so many built in value added relationships that you've yeah. built for the last two decades. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's an end point to that game. The other game, there's no end point. That's why you see people at these networking You got to keep mixers. hustling. You got to keep grinding right. to make it happen. Yeah. They've been a state farm insurance agent for the past 35 years and they make yeah. 60 to 80 K a year, every single year for the past 35 years, because they're doing it the same exact way. And that way isn't the way to build a long-term book of business with people that actually give a shit about what you do. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, so yeah, the, the, the way to do it is you have to, uh, if you have to understand, you have to understand the most important thing in relationships and that's value. Value is yeah, the what most do you mean important value? thing in relationships. Yeah. So, um, uh, so this is, this is what I tell everybody, um, uh, from, you know, any, anybody that asks me this question, I, I tell them this, this statement. So if you're, if you're, you know, taking notes or anything, write this down, if you're listening, <clears throat> your network will grow in direct correlation to the amount of value that you can add to other people. Yeah. That's going to be different for every single person listening to this right now. Because back when I started in this world, I didn't have much value to offer. 
You know what I mean? Like I was brand new to the game. I didn't, I didn't have any knowledge that I could offer that was helpful. I didn't have any, um, you didn't have a, a top podcast that you could bring people on to. I didn't like, have an asset, like a podcast that had an audience that I could put people in front yeah. of. I didn't have, I didn't have a ton of money. I didn't have a ton of connections. In fact, I had almost no connections because I had like left this religious bubble that I grew up in, um, when I was in my early twenties. And so I was really starting my network network from scratch. Like I didn't have really anything to offer at the time. What I did have though, was I had time. And yeah. what I found out was that people who are really busy, they value time. So if yeah. I can do something for them for free to, to just give them some of their time back, that's a big value add even if I didn't have any of the other stuff to add value with. Now, it was much more difficult for me to add a lot of value to somebody at that time, but I could still do it. You know what I mean? So perfect example was one of my first mentors, John Lee Dumas, a podcast guy, you know, makes millions of dollars. His, his show has made, I think, almost, almost $20 million in revenue since 2012 when he started it. Um, and so That's I wanted not to- too bad. Yeah, I no, it's, it's not, not too shabby. The crazy thing though is like, take a look at his like gross and net uh, revenue. That's what, that's what'll make you, that's what'll make you like swoon. Or are they just I mean? like exactly the same? Like yeah, very, very similar. Like if he put oh, like, and, and by the way, anybody listening to this can go check it out. He, he publishes all of his income reports every single month on eofire.com. You can go check out all of his revenue for the past, you know, nine years he's been in business, um, where it comes from and see what his expenses breakdown is and everything like that. But like when he makes a quarter million, he pockets like 220 of it. You know Jeez. what I mean? So like, he's just a profit generating machine on his podcast. And so this is a guy that I wanted to learn from. But again, at the time, I didn't have anything to offer of value. I didn't have any real relationship building, you know, power at, at the time because all I, I was brand new and I was, I, I need, I needed everything from him. You know, like I needed yeah. his connections. I needed his knowledge. I needed like all those things. So I didn't really have much to offer. All I knew at the time was like, I, I came from a door to door sales background. So I was pretty good at selling stuff. And that one small skill set that I had developed in my early 20s, I took to the table with him. I volunteered three days of my time to work a booth for him at an event that he was speaking at to sell his product to people at that event. Yeah. And, you know, and I had worked a lot of home shows and trade shows and stuff like that for the the door-to-door the -door companies that I had sold at in the past few years. So I had a lot of experience doing it. I was pretty good at it. You know, I probably could have charged good money for it or at least gotten commissions from it, but I didn't ask for anything. All that's, I wanted to do- That's not what you were there for. You were there for a, a long-term relationship. I was there for proximity to somebody who could, who, who could open doors of opportunity for me that other people wouldn't be able to. Um, and I was there to have a real relationship with the guy. I didn't, I didn't like the last thing I wanted, bro, is, is for him to make an intro and be like, oh yeah, this is Travis. He paid me money one time to come to my house <laughs> and learn from me. You know what I mean? Like I, I wanted it to be more like, oh no, this is, this is, this is like my friend, Travis, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I wanted to, 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 to figure out a way to build some sort of a synergistic relationship where I could offer some value. And like I said, at the time it, the best way I could offer value was volunteering three to, full to days of there. work. Yeah. Like that was a lot to add a, a good amount of value. Now fast forward the clock. And this is what kind of goes back to the beginning of the conversation where I said that your network will, will grow in direct proportion, the amount of value that you can add to the people. Now it's significantly easier for me to add more value for somebody than even I was able to do with three full days of my time. I can do that now in a five minute email introduction to somebody in my network that I've worked hard to build yeah. a relationship with. 
that's arguably much, much, much significantly higher value than three days of my time was worth back then. You know what I'm saying? So like that, that's why you have to continually improve yourself and work on yourself, work on your craft, work on your skill set. you know, make more, uh, make more money if you can, know more people if you can, like the, the more things that you can add into your arsenal of value, the more people that you can connect with. Um, so that's, that's, that's the, that's the baseline understanding that you got to start with is like, I have to become a person of value and then I have to be willing to give that value without the expectation of receiving any in return. And I think that's hard for a lot of people because the ego gets in the way, right? The ego gets in the way and we're like, like, I I want something back or, you know, like, Oh, like my time's valuable too, or something like that. And so that you kind of get in this struggle rather than just being a giver. Sure. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a great book on this called give and take by Adam Grant. I love Adam Grant's stuff because he's, uh, he's, a, 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 I think, I think six or seven years in a row voted best professor at Wharton school of business, um, or something like that. But, uh, basically I say that to say all of his books are just steeped in research and statistics and data, which is the the stuff that I like to read. It's not anecdotal. It's not just like I was successful and here's my story. You know, those are great, but this like, sometimes I like reading those types. So he wrote a book called give and take. And basically he outlines three different types of people in the book, three different types of reciprocity styles. There's the giver, there's the taker, and there's the matcher. The giver, obvious what that is. It's the person that's willing to give without the expectation of receiving anything in return. There's the taker who just takes, 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 right? The people were talking about earlier that the networking mixer that just are there to like close business that day or the day after, or they view their time as wasted. And then there's the matcher. And that's the person that's only willing to give value if they can get a measurable amount of similar value in return from another person. Yeah. When I first read that book, I probably would have identified myself as a matcher at the time. Like I, I like that's it just made sense to me. It, it like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. It just makes sense. You know what I mean? That's the right. only way to really be fair about it. Uh, but after reading that book, I was just kind of like, man, there, there's no, there's no way around it. The, the 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 best way to go through life is to be a giver for multiple 100%. reasons, not just financially and success and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately it's going to be better for your relationships in general. And you're going to be a happier, more, more fulfilled person, which ultimately is more of a higher form of success. Anyway, that's, that's the one that really gets to me, right? Like if you really want to be selfish, give more. Yeah. Right. Because if you give more, you're going to feel a shit ton better. Yep. You're like, that's if you want to think of it selfishly, if you want to get the most out of a relationship, you just got to go give more, right? Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it, it's got to be in a genuine way and you just can't expect yeah. anything in, in return. So there's givers, takers, and matchers. Can you guess, can you guess which group ends up at the top of the success ladder? And I'm sure it's pretty obvious from our conversation we've been having so far, but I'm, I'm going to let you guess, Sander. I'm, I'm going to guess that it's not the takers. Okay. Smart. It's, it, it's prop, probably not the matchers, so I'm going to go with the givers. Let's do it. Yep. Givers <laughs> Givers are at the top of the success ladder. Guess who's at the bottom of the success ladder? I, I would have to guess it would be the takers. It's also givers. No so, shit. Yeah. So, so that's what it's, it's a really great book, bro. If you haven't read, it, I, I recommend it. I'm going um, to now because you just stumped me. <laughs> yeah. So, givers at the top of the success ladder, givers at the bottom of the of the success ladder, and then he goes into you know a bunch of ways to make sure that you're a giver that ends up at the top of the success ladder instead of at the bottom. And and I um, that that makes a lot of sense to me because there are a lot of givers, and then you know basically they get into that space, and I think a lot of people get afraid of being a giver at the bottom. Yeah. And that's what causes them to be a matcher or exactly. a taker. And or, then they or get stuck in the middle. 
Right, exactly. Because they've experienced being stepped on by people or something. Yeah. So they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go take what's mine. They become a taker because yeah. they're like, oh, this person just took from me and took from me and took from me. And now I'm down here and they're up here. I'm just going to go take from people. So I'm going to go you take know? from the next person, right? This is this right. is how the world works. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like just accepting that like that's fate. So if I want to be successful, that's just what I got to do. Um, and then you got the people who try to be the matchers because they had a negative experience in giving. So uh, there, there's the givers who just give, 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 and never think about themselves, their well-being, their 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 well-being, and they let people walk all over them. And those yeah. are the ones that end up at the bottom of the success ladder. The ones at the top have a few different common denominators, which um, you know I, I would rather you read the book to 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 go into it because <laughs> it's so much better than what I'd be able to do on a call like this. But uh, basically, like one of them is you know you have to be willing to ask when you have yeah. an ask. You got to yeah. be willing to go in for the ask. You got to be willing to ask people uh, for for help when you need it or for value if you need it or for something like an introduction or a connection or a piece of advice or you, you have to be willing to make the ask at some point. You can't yeah. just give, 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 give and never, never, ever ask for something because a lot of people who are natural givers end up at the bottom of the success ladder because if you're a natural born giver, like that's just in you, that's who you are. You, you find it really difficult to ask for something. It feels, it feels really uncomfortable to actually exactly. ask for something. Exactly. But yeah. it's goes back to that all that age old illustration of your, your kids sitting next to you on the airplane and the oxygen masks drop down. You, they tell you all the time, you need to put yours on first because yeah. you can't help your kid. If you pass out from lack of oxygen, so yeah. put yours on first. You got to take care of you first. And so a lot of people who are natural givers don't don't do that. They never they never take the time to think about themselves and 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 help themselves and their and their families first. Um, and then another yeah. one would be whenever you realize that somebody has a pattern of being a taker in your life, you have to make a decision to cut off the giving without expecting anything. Ooh. And that's where it gets kind of tricky because sometimes you don't really know, like, are they a taker or am I just not giving enough value? You know what I mean? Or like, or, or yeah. maybe, maybe I just need to, to, to reevaluate the way that I'm doing it. But, you know, I've had this happen a few times where I've just been like, you know what, I've just been a giver and a giver and a giver to this person. And I've done some, like, like some pretty big favors for them. And I've asked for a couple of things, um, like sometimes, and like, they've done absolutely nothing at any point of the, of the relationship. And that's bottom line is that's not a relationship relationships yeah. by definition are reciprocal. So if there's there absolutely zero reciprocation, then at some point you have to like basically switch your reciprocity style with that person. So yeah. now with, if you identify a taker in your life, you have to switch your reciprocity style and treat it like a matcher in those specific one-off situations where it's like, I can't continue to give you X, Y, and Z until, because, until I actually get shown there's a, this is a real relationship. Exactly. And that you're not just taking from me for the sake of taking from me. Like you gotta be willing to draw a line with takers or that's how you kind of end up at the bottom of this. But anyway, it's all that to say that's a fascinating <laughs> read. And, uh, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, one of the top relationship building books that I recommend across the board to anybody. That's, that's amazing. Thank you for that share, man. Um, so one other thing that I think is like, and I think all of this really stems from your unique ability to build relationships, whether it's the networking, the podcasting, the the other thing that I think you and I kind of always nerd out on is, is sales, right? Your ability to sell and influence others um, to, you know, to take actions purposefully and intentionally to, to do things, frankly, that they should be doing a lot of the time in the face of their own fear. Um, like, talk to me about your view of sales and, and just sales in general. Cause I think again, like networking sales is something that gets a really bad rap. 
Sure. Yeah. Uh, sales is oxygen, man. That's the best way that I can say <laughs> it is like sales is oxygen. You have to have it. And especially if you're listening to this and you're any sort of entrepreneur or you're um, trying to become an entrepreneur, you, you got to embrace selling um, yeah. at some point in the journey in at least to a certain level of competency, right? Like if that's just not your gig, that doesn't mean that you have to take something that's a weakness of yours and turn it into your biggest strength. Okay. I'm a big believer in playing to your strengths and hiring your weaknesses. I'm a big believer in that. But that being said, there are certain things that you need to at least have a level of competence in. And I think sell selling is one of them. Well, you even, you you kind of, like you just mentioned, you know, play to your strengths, hire to your weaknesses, right? Well, you can't hire someone unless you can sell them on your vision and what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Like sales is in everything that we do. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a part of, it's part of our lives. Even if you don't think that you are a salesperson, you know, how are you going to get people on board for anything that you want to do? If you can't sell them somehow, some way, influence them to make a decision, right? Persuade, like there, there's gotta be some sort of, of skill that you have or level of competency, competency that you have to be able to convince people that your ideas are worth sharing or your product or services are worth buying. Like you, it's, it's, it's a non-negotiable in my opinion, man. And, and like, if you're, if you're, if you never master any sort of selling, influencing, persuading, your ability to uh, to create abundance and wealth in your life, I think significantly drops because yeah. like the reason that I can take big risks in my business and, and, you know, we've had private conversations and stuff about like, you know, different revenue and different goals that, that I've, that I've set and, and, and different investments that I've looked at and been like, man, that's a big risk, but I've done them anyway. The only thing that allows me to take really big risks in my business is the knowledge and the confidence that I know that if worse comes to worse, I can go out and I can sell my ass off and make that money back. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, like if everything were to blow up tomorrow, right, right? Like you can't get rid of your skill set of the ability to sell. I can go bring in that amount of money in the next month if I have to. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that confidence, bro. Like that's what gives me the uh, the 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 ability to risk a, I think, a lot I think more than most people are willing to risk. I think that's really important though, right? Because to become an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to take risks. You have to be willing to make decisions that frankly, other people aren't willing to make because they're right. batshit crazy, right? Exactly. Entrepreneurship is not logical. Right? Let's, <laughs> let's just leave it at that, right? So like you have to be willing to go do illogical shit to be yep. successful as an entrepreneur. And if you don't have, if you don't have confidence in your ability to sell or pull yourself out of the gutter, if everything crumbles, right? Chances are you're not going to make those decisions. You're right. going to stay stuck in a nine to five. You're going to stay stuck in, you know, something that you just, you don't want to be in. You just yeah. feel yeah. that that's the only way for you to stay alive. Yeah. You're going to stay stuck at an income level because you don't feel comfortable making a hire that you know that you need to make or something like yeah. that, where it's like, like, that's the only, that's the only reason I know I can hire people, bro. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like if I hire somebody and like my payroll expenses are getting pretty high and I know it's cutting it close on my expected revenue, then it's like, well, I better go sell some more stuff then. Should, you know what I, I mean? I should get a little bit to work. And, yeah, and exactly. Exactly. But if you don't, if you don't have that ability, like I, I can't imagine what it would be like to run a business without the ability to sell. 
I, so, I honestly can't. I know people do it and I know people that, that do it, you know, fairly well in terms yeah. of like, because they find somebody who's really good at it. But maybe that, maybe that's you is like, if you don't learn to sell and you're like, okay, well, I got to go find somebody who's good at it. Maybe you got to give away 50% of your company to bring somebody on board right. who can sell the vision because that's something yeah. that you're just, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just not very good at it. Well then, okay, great. But give away 50% of your company. See how that makes you feel. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know. Maybe you should get good at it or at it's, least it's, uh, competent. It's actually interesting you bring that up because I see a lot of starting entrepreneurs do that, right? I see a lot of starting entrepreneurs find, you know, you know something like this, like whether it's sales or marketing, um, you know, I work specifically with a lot of coaches, right? So, you know, coaches love to coach. What do they suck at doing? Everything Selling. else. <laughs> Everything else. Sales and marketing, yeah. right? Um, so a lot of them will go out there and try to find somebody that can tie into that and be the seller and the marketer and they can just be the coach. And I think the the big problem that I see there is like nobody's going to be as passionate about your business and your coaching, your, everything you're doing as you are, unless you can sell them on it. Right. Mm, and yep. so if, if they're not, if, if you're not already successful, why is this salesperson going to come work with you? When, you know, just like, you know, you mentioned Travis knows he can sell, like, why don't I just go sell myself and take a hundred percent of the profit? Yeah. And, right? and, and in, in, in any partnership formation like that too, like you have to examine who holds the asset. Yeah. So if you, if you can, if you're a good coach, but you can't sell anything, then you like your, your work becomes exponentially harder to bring on good salespeople at that point, because it's like, well, why wouldn't they just go sell it for themselves or go sell it for somebody else who is good at those things, who has a better organization set up? Why are they going to take a chance on you? Yeah. You know, and then you got to sell them on you, which is selling anyway. You know, like so, there's so, no so way around it. This, you you're going mean? to have to learn how to sell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's too yeah. funny. So say, say, say you're somebody out there that's, that knows they need to learn how to sell. Maybe they want to become an entrepreneur. Um, like what are some tips that you have for them to, I think maybe one mindset tip, because I think everybody is afraid of sales mm -hmm. and then maybe one, like, you know, here's where you can start to learn how to sell tactically tip. Yeah. I mean, first off, embrace the suck. This yeah. is, that's generic advice for anything that you're ever trying that you've never done before. Yeah. Embrace the suck. You're going to suck, but that's okay. You know what yeah. I mean? Like people have this weird idea that like, and it's probably largely due to, to I don't know if you ever read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, but it, it's yep. a, yeah, a really great one on growth uh, mindset versus fixed mindset. And I think a lot of kids are trained in that fixed mindset where, you know, if, if they don't show immediate competency or, um, or proclivity, uh, proclivity toward this new thing that they're trying, their parents and their teachers immediately discourage them from doing it. It's like, well, maybe you're just not good at that. It's like, well, maybe you just got to work a little bit at it because nobody's just good at stuff by, yeah. you know, like only the lucky ones are just natural are naturally good at something, you know what I mean? Like only and LeBron James of the world yeah, are naturally then, good at basketball. Yeah. Right? Even then, like they still have to put a ton of work in to get to yeah, like you can naturally exactly. at a level, but you're still working your ass off to become exactly, exactly. That's what makes Kobe Kobe. That's what made my MJ MJ. That's what makes LeBron LeBron is like, those guys are extremely talented and the hardest workers in the room. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what makes them the best at what they do. But that all, all that to say, basically like, just know that you're going to suck at first and and that's totally okay. The yeah. second thing that I would say is go get reps. 
go yeah. get reps, like put as many reps in as you can. Uh, there's a lot of people that I know that that'll, they'll, they want to try something new, but they're so, they're so internally afraid of trying that thing. They find, they find ways to study that craft for like 11 years before they ever give it a shot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they, like yeah. it makes them feel like they're taking action because, oh, I bought this sales course. So, you that's, know, that's I'll start action. selling that soon. Counts. That you know? counts, right, Travis? I bought the sales course. Yeah, right. Exactly. And it's like, okay, uh, even if you even if you take all of the lessons, even if you read the top 10 books, eventually you're going to have to pick up the phone and sell. Yeah. And the best way, the absolute best way to learn in a sales uh, uh, environment is to sell and put as many reps in as you can. Yeah. Because I'll tell you something, bro. When you're reading a book and you learn something new, it's kind of like, oh, that's neat. And then you keep going on. If you are on a sales call and you just lost $10,000 because you messed something up, you're going to figure it the fuck out. You know what I mean? Like, Feel it. You're, like, Feel it. Exactly. All the way to your like, core. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like the best way is just reps, man. Like I, I did door to door for like six, seven years and it was just one of the best things that one of the best things that came from door to door is just the amount of reps that I put in, yeah. the amount of conversations that I had with people, the amount of times where I had to... Um, listen to somebody's body language rather than listen to the words that they're saying where I had to view, like look at somebody's uh, or listen to somebody's tonality instead of listen to the words or like I had to, you know what I mean? There's so, like you, I had so many interactions with so many different people from all different types of cultures, backgrounds, races, languages, like uh, so many different people that it taught me how to communicate and, and, and uh, persuade people um, at that kind of a level because of all the reps that I put in on, you know, thousands of doors over that, that, that time period. That's a lot yeah. of conversations with people that you can learn from and get better at, you know, over a long period of time. So um, put in the reps, man. So it's just expect that you're going to suck at first and that's okay. And then be willing to put in the reps until you're better at it. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to add a quick little exercise for everybody just cause I think this is really pertinent. Like if you're, if you're out there and you're thinking, great, Travis, like I want to go put in, I want to go put in the reps, but I don't have anything to sell. Um, so this is an exercise that we actually do with all of our clients. Uh, go ask 20 people for five bucks, go and try, try to sell 20 people on giving you five bucks without telling them why. Right. And then I know this goes right in the face of what Travis talks about. Always be a giver. Right. But I'm going to fix that. Okay. So what you actually do is you go out there with a wad of 21s. And so anybody that gives you five bucks, you give them the five back and a $1 bill. So basically you're learning, you're basically learning to ask and figure out how you can frame this to see who can get you five bucks, because you know that if they give you five bucks, you're going to be able to give them six back and it's going to make their day. So just a quick exercise that we do this with every single one of our clients, but I thought it'd be really helpful. Um, Travis, anything awesome. you want to add to that? Does that sound like a fun one? <laughs> that, yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm going to start stealing that and making people do that because all yours, it's, dude. It's, all yours. it's the reps, bro. It's the reps and it's being, it's being bold enough to go in, you know, for, for the ask when other people can't, because you're, you're probably, if you do that, you're probably going to have a bunch of people who like tell you to F off and stuff yep. like that. But like, man, that's just earning your stripes. That's just it's, earning it's, your stripes. Yeah. It's so funny because we've had, we've had people that have gone over 20. Right. And then they're just like, but I don't fear rejection anymore. Exactly. And then, exactly. and then we've had people legitimately go 20 for 20 and be like, I've, wow. I've found a new love for sales because I found out that when I sell somebody on giving me five bucks, I get to give them $6 in value back. 
which I'm going to take to any business that I run in the future. When somebody buys, you know, a thousand dollar program from me, I'm going to make sure that they get $2,000 worth of value of it. Right. So beautiful. Love it, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Take it, take it to your clients, man. I know they'll enjoy it. Um, so a couple of quick, I know we're, we're coming up on time here. So a couple of quick, uh, speed round questions for you, Travis. Uh, the first one that I always have to ask everybody is, uh, what do you define success as? Uh, man, like for, for me, for myself, uh, let's say, let's say for you or for anybody in general. Okay. So for, for if I'm anybody to this and I've been told, I've been told that success is the, you know, it's the six figure corporate job, the, the steady income, the, the sure. white picket fence, 2.5 kids, all that sort of stuff. What, what is success actually? So my generic, uh, you know, success f- defined for anybody is, is it all starts with self-awareness and clarity. Yeah. You, cause you don't know. I, I think success is defined differently by each individual and you have to figure out what that means for you. I love that. And so if you don't spend any time with yourself, if you never do the inner work, if you've never, like, if you're one of those people that can never sit in silence, you should try it sometime. You know what I mean? Like, there, cause there's some people that literally can't, I, I used to be that way. That's why I know about it because yeah, me, I, me too. I used I'm right to be that way. You. you know, like if yeah. you're driving in the car for 25 minutes and you can't just like be with yourself and your thoughts, you should, I mean, like try it, do it, practice it, get better at that. Because if you don't know who you are, how do you expect to create happiness and success in life? Yeah. You don't even know what that means to tell you that either. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, you know, some people will look at $10 million as a, as a, as a raving success, but other people will look at it as like, Oh, that's peasant money. Or other people will look at it as like, I would never make that kind of money. You know what I mean? Like maybe success to that person is 50 grand a year being smart with their money and being able to like spend time with their family on the weekends when they get off of work, you know, like success is like, I, and and I, uh, you know, I have friends from growing up that are, are still like the homies, you know what I mean? We've known each other since we were three, four years old. Yeah. So they're like my best friends, you know, and neither one of them do any sort of entrepreneurial stuff or business stuff. They don't yeah. do anything like I do. They're two of the happiest dudes I know, you know, like one of them's in the corrections department in, in California. One of them's, uh, it works for the County and does like road maintenance on for the County. You know what I mean? But like, they're, they're, they're great. They're, they're yeah. happy. They're quote unquote successful. You yeah. know, it, it comes from, it stems from a, a true deep understanding of who you are and what you're meant to accomplish in this world. Um, and then, and then the second step is go get it, you know? And, and by the way, if, if you, if you're sitting there thinking like, well, my goal is just to, you know, uh, smoke weed and do nothing every day, you know, like, I don't think that it's possible to be happy doing that personally. I just don't think that it's possible. Um, so if that's, if you're going to get bored eventually. (laughs) Yeah. So like within reason, it's about self-awareness. Like you gotta, you know, just look at what's important to you, what matters to you, and then go get it and put in the work to go get it. Like put in, like, I think productivity in general is, is a ingredient to anybody's success. Like whatever that looks like for you, productivity is, I think just, a is one of the things that we are supposed to do as humans. And I think that if you are stuck, never being productive or generating any productivity, I think that you're going to struggle, uh, with your, with your mental health a little bit on the inside. But, uh, but all that to say that, you know, I, I think success is defined differently by everybody. And the only way that you're going to know what that means for you is if you do some deep diving self-awareness and get some clarity around what you want out of life. Get quiet and listen inward. Yes, yeah. exactly. 
Um, and then for me specifically, I define, I, I, after doing a lot of that work, you know, and I still do a lot of that work because I want to make sure that I'm actually moving toward the target that I still want to achieve. You can't just do the work once when you're 20 years old, because that's how you, that's how you wake up when you're 40, having climbed the wrong mountain and then looking yeah. back at me like, Oh, there goes 20 years. I guess I better try something else. I feel now. like you know I should I mean? over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause you never took any, like, you know, you never took an account every single year or every single month or every single week that like, okay, I, I still want to make sure that I'm hitting this goal, right? I still want to make sure I'm on the right. So for me, I I define success as uh, happiness, fulfillment, and abundance within my life and my family's life and, 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 uh, uh, and stuff like that. So like, for me, a couple of my big values would be freedom. I want the freedom to be able to spend time with the people that I love doing things that I love going places that I love. And so freedom, since that's such a huge value of mine, um, it requires that I make a lot more money than the majority of other people desire to make. Um, because I know the level of freedom that I want, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want my bank account to prevent me from traveling to where I want to travel or staying at a hotel that I want to stay at or flying first class. If I want to fly first class or flying like like the resort in Costa Rica that we're heading to in a month, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, like I want to do that stuff. I want to be able to go to those places. I want to be able to make those decisions. I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to, to bring a bunch of my buddies or friends who don't make a lot of money on a trip and pay for all their stuff. Like that's like, I just want to be able to do what I want when I want with the people that I want. And I know that money is a huge part of that. So money now is a huge part of my life, studying money, learning about money, trying to make money, but it's not for the sake of just making money. Cause I think that again, you know, people will define success as like, well, it's a certain amount of money. No, that's not true really. Cause like if the money just sits there. It doesn't do anything good for you. You know, you gotta, you gotta have an idea of what you're going to use it for. So, uh, for me, you know, success is freedom, um, and it's fulfillment and, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's happiness. And so I yeah. try to live my life to, to obtain those things. And I think you, so you kind of hit on, this was actually my next question and I think you may have already answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Um, you know, talking all about money and the, the, you know, everything that money can bring you, but what is one thing to you that is, is more important than money? Uh, family, um, impact. Yeah. Freedom. Uh, I would say I put all those above money. Like that's all, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that's why I want to make a lot of money though, you know, cause like money allows for all those other things to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like how many people, uh, how many people get divorced every year over financial problems or money? Yeah. You know, like the, it's crazy high. It's crazy yeah. high percentage of people that, that split up over money, you know? So if your money's in abundance and you're on the same page about how to manage that money, that's a huge, a huge thing that's usually a big part of most people's problems in life that you erase. Well, I think, um, I think the big thing about that, right, is like money doesn't solve all of your problems. Exactly. But not having money creates a few more. Exactly. Exactly. Like the way that I look at it, man, is like past a certain point, like past the poverty line. I think there's actual studies on this, like past $60,000 a year. There's, there's almost no difference in happiness between making $60,000 a year versus $60 million a year. There's no, there's no difference in what that money does to your happiness level. Um, but, but yeah, I look at money as the ability to just choose the things that, that I, that I want to do. Like I, I, 
like money is just the tool. It's just an amplification of who you already are. You know what I mean? So it's just going to, it's just going to, it's either going to, if you're a bad person, it's going to make you a worse person. If you're a good person, it's going to make you a better person. Uh, but, uh, but I, but when it, the way that I look at it, man, is like, if money doesn't make you rich and or if money doesn't make you happy and money doesn't make you unhappy, then I'd rather have a lot of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if there's no correlation, then like I would, I would rather have a bunch of it because that seems like a better way to live life. That's a, that's a valid point. I like it. Um, so one more question for you. What do you, well, what's the most recommended book that you've been giving out this last year or so? Uh, on any topic anything, in particular? Anything. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to, if I'm going to recommend like one book that I think would probably be a book that doesn't get recommended very often on a show mm-hmm. like this. Cause I assume a lot of them are probably like the think and grow riches and how to win friends and influence people and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'll try to stay out of business entrepreneurship, even though I have a ton of those types of books that have been absolutely revolutionary for me. Um, and just give one on life in general. Um, and I would say that it's probably a good idea to read the meditations by Marcus Aurelius, um, nice, or, um, or another one would be hardwiring happiness. Uh, I think both of those are, are really good. Uh, there's one called Zen and the art of happiness. Uh, there's just a few books like that, that, that I've read that I have, I've never regretted my time reading anything on like philosophy on how to live life on how to be a happier person or how to be fulfilled or, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that, that I think, I think that you shouldn't put those types of uh, put that type of reading off. So, um, th- those that. are a couple of my, of my top books in that. Yeah. Sense. Just, just to kind of piggyback on that. If you're, if you're wondering what kind of value you can bring to other people too, if you're a happier person, people just want to be around you. You're magnetic, right? man. Yeah. You're magnetic. Exactly. So even if you don't have, even if you don't have the money or the knowledge to bring to people, if you've got a big ass smile and a heart of gold, people want to be around you. Yep, so exactly. I love that. Um, all right, man. Well, this has been, this has been absolutely stellar. I think we could have probably kept going on, but, uh, I think I just want to make sure that everybody knows where they can learn more about Travis, what's on the horizon for you. Um, and obviously everything that you do to help people build podcasts as well. Yeah, man. So if you guys want to check out some of the stuff that I got going on, uh, you're listening to this right now, that means you like podcasts. So whatever app you're in right now, go search, build your network and you'll find my show there. We got I mean, coming up on 600 episodes now of the show, um, a lot on relationship building, networking, and on, really entrepreneurship in general um, is like the main category that we're ranked in. So that would be uh, one place to, to check out some of my stuff. And then TravisChapel.com, basically for everything else, uh, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, TravisChapel.com. You can head over there. All my socials are there and, uh, and different things that I'm working on. They're, they're all over there as well. And then if you want to learn how to podcast better, uh, just shoot me an email and I'm happy to help out if I can beautiful. Thanks a ton, Travis. I know our audience is going to get a ton out of this, but uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Appreciate it, Xander. Always a blast hanging out for a bit. Beautiful. Thanks, man. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.